Hey everyone, I'm Kyla. Welcome to my channel where I talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. Welcome back. Today we're going to be talking about bonds. Bonds are kind of the canary in the coal mine. They're the flashing red lights at railroad crossings. They're the beep beep that your car does when it's about to back up into something. I'm going to talk about bond markets, what they're telling us, why they're telling us important things right now, and just how you can think about them moving forward. This video is brought to you by Simplify ETFs. All the research and opinions expressed in this video are my own. However, Simplify does have some offerings if you're interested. This is one solution to what's going on out there. This is not the only solution. Simplify has several strategies that help investors hedge against credit risk and an environment characterized by low absolute yields and high levels of corporate credit risk. Efficient credit hedging becomes much more critical in portfolio construction. So credit markets, oftentimes bond markets, same thing. They oftentimes know a little bit more than the stock market does. The stock market is kind of stupid, some would say. And so why is the stock market kind of stupid? First off, the difference between stocks and bonds. So stocks represent ownership in a company. Investors make money here when the stock price increases or dividends are issued. Stocks are normally considered risky because they're relatively uncertain in terms of payment. They're issued by corporations, but they're pretty easy for investors access through different exchanges. Bonds, on the other hand, represent the debt of a company and investors make money here through interest payments. Risk is lower due to that of defined income and there's a lot of different types of organizations that issue bonds, such as governments, corporations, financial institutions, etc. Bonds are pretty certain most of the time and equities are not. That's kind of how you could think about it. With bonds, there's normally an issuer or a borrower, the corporation, a government, an agency that borrows money and issues debt. So like, let's say that Kentucky wants to improve their highways. <laughs> and so they could issue a bond in order to help finance that. And then they would normally enlist a broker dealer to help them get a deal together who then issues or sells those bonds and investors like mutual funds or other institutions. Bonds are just a way for corporations, for government entities, for a lot of different things to get capital financing. It's normally recommended that you own bonds because of diversification. Stocks and bonds normally don't move together normally. And there's also capital preservation Then it's defined income, right? So you're going to get these interest payments as long as the company doesn't go belly up. There's a lot of different types of bonds. There's treasury securities, mortgage-backed securities, corporate bonds, federal agency securities, asset-backed securities, money markets, municipal securities. It is so hard to say some words sometimes. I'm going to focus mostly on corporate bonds throughout this piece, but the world of bonds is pretty big, just as a note, and all of these asset classes are super important. But corporate bonds are pretty much this like light in a dark tunnel kind of vibe, which is why I'm going to talk about them today. Corporate bond structure, interest rate and prices. There is an inverse relationship between interest rates and prices. When interest rates go up, that means that prices are going to go down on bonds and vice versa. Prices normally go up when people want the bonds because of an aspect of supply and demand. If more people are like, um, hey, I'm going to buy these bonds, the price is going to go up because more people are demanding it. If less people want the bonds, prices are going to go down, so rates rise. So the situation here is if more people want the bonds, that bids the price up, yields go down. If less people want the bonds, that bids the prices down and the yields go up. There's also different corporate bond ratings. So corporations are rated basically on their ability to pay interest payments to investors based on the profitability of different projects that they're working on. There are different levels to the game here. AAA bonds have the highest vibe, their investment grade, and they reflect the best quality and the lowest risk to investors. And investors normally want these high quality companies like Apple who issues bonds, right? So they're going to want things that are pretty stable, but high yield companies, those that are rated double B and below, those are a little bit interesting too, because 
they're riskier, sure, but they also pay higher rates of returns because they're riskier. So once again, it's that balance of risk and return. If you're willing to take on a little bit more risk, it's okay to go high yield. If you're like, no, I want stability, <laughs> then you should go investment grade. That's kind of how you can think about it. I just got a notification that Dogecoin went down. Who cares? We're talking about bonds. So that's a pretty brief academic overview of what's going on, but what's like really going on out there, right? First off, like why are things bad right now? Most people are kind of freaking out, but why? So it's a function of supply and demand. So as I've talked about a lot on the channel, um, supply and demand are totally mismatched. There's a lot of people demanding things, but not enough supply to match those demands. There's pretty tight labor markets, which is pushing wages up, leading to wage inflation. And then it's also just difficult for companies to find people to hire, which creates a whole lot of pressure on the labor market. And then the housing market is pretty tight. Mortgage rates are now up to 4%. Bought a house, all of a sudden your mortgage payment is a little bit higher unless you locked in your rate. And it's very hard to find a home for a lot of people, which creates just a sense of unhappiness. And then Fed policy error is a big concern. Is the Fed moving too slow? Have they moved too slow? And what happens if they end up moving too fast? Bonds end up reflecting most of those concerns and are broadly a function of a lot of different types of risk as FINRA lays out on their website. One of the types of risk is interest rate risk. When interest rates fall, bond prices rise and vice versa. So there's a lot of risk baked in there. If rates go up, prices go down. And the longer that you hold a bond, the more risk that you're exposed to here because the higher the probability that the rates go up over a longer time frame, the higher the probability that your bond ends up going down in price. So when rates rise, the value of bonds fall, which isn't great, and that can lead to bad performance. Investors want to be compensated for this interest rate risk. The idea that interest rates would go up and their bond prices would go down and be worth less. Inflation risk is also tied into this. There's a risk that, you know, a 5% coupon bond won't keep up with inflation because inflation's at 7.5%. So if all of a sudden, you know, you're trying to get paid a certain amount from your bond and inflation's eaten away at that, you're going to be pretty sad. There's also call risk, which isn't super relevant here, but an issue is that companies can call back bonds and you all of a sudden don't get paid the interest payments that you were expecting. And they oftentimes call back bonds when rates drop because they're like, well, if we're going to finance something at lower interest rates, like we're going to save that money, right? And so the investor is pretty much left high and dry at that point because you lock in with bonds for a long period of time. And if a company calls it back earlier, all of a sudden that interest payment that you were maybe relying on no longer exists. So you've got to go find another bond and you <laughs> kind of get left um, left out in the cold, some would say. There's also duration risk. So duration is measured in years, but it signals how much the price of a bond investment will move when interest rates move. So higher duration, more sensitive a bond will be to interest rate changes. There's also default risk. So yes, treasuries are considered to be free from default. If the US defaults on its debt, we've got some big problems, but for companies, there's a chance that investors might not get repaid if the company ends up defaulting. There's also default risk. This is more for corporations than the government. US treasuries, which are bonds that are issued by the US government, notes, uh, securities, debt securities that are issued by the US government, they're considered to be free from default because of the US defaults on its debt. We've got some big problems. However, corporations can default and so investors are going to want to be compensated for that default risk. So the compensation that investors receive from bonds is broadly reflective of default risk. There's a few different ways to measure this risk. For the purposes of this piece, we will focus on credit spreads and duration. So credit spreads are broadly reflective of credit risk. <laughs> and then duration is a measure of a bond's price sensitivity to changes in interest rate risk. So we're focusing on credit risk and then interest rate risk. And this is pretty important because bonds can respond to the general idea of credit risk, which is a corporation failing, essentially like the credit market going, things going really, really poorly. <laughs> but bonds can also respond to changes in interest rates, which we've seen a lot of recently with the two-year, the 10-year, etc. Credit risk is more of a corporation failing, uh, completely going under. And then interest rate risk is more of these like 
broader U.S. Treasury markets moving around. And that's going to put pressure on the entire credit market. The two-year has doubled this year, which isn't good. Uh, the market is pricing in higher rates, so bonds that have high interest rate risk, which are high-duration bonds, like they have a higher exposure to interest rate sensitivity, are going to get hit. So duration, longer-duration bonds are going to get hit. They have more exposure to movement in interest rates. They're going to be hurt by that. And in general, because credit risk is really low right now, the companies are really not defaulting at the rate that they used to. So that's what bond markets are primarily paying attention to right now is this duration risk is the movement in interest rates versus worries about you know the conditions of the credit market bonds can kind of move around but that doesn't mean that like companies are going to go under things aren't a perfect loop in credit markets we can't just look at markets and be like oh yeah spreads have widened which i'll talk about because everybody is super freaked out there's both duration and credit risk baked into that so what are credit spreads so bonds do their thing but the most important thing about bonds is how they do their thing relative to other things so usually u.s treasury securities, how they do their thing relative to other things is a great indicator of how the market is feeling. So this is measured through credit spreads, like how bonds are feeling relative to other things. This is the price of credit risk relative to the risk-free U.S. Treasury security, because the U.S., of course, would never default on its debt. Corporate bonds have risk because they could go out of business and thus not pay back their debts. People are going to need to be compensated more for holding corporate risk relative to U.S. Treasuries because there are no free lunches. So the difference between corporate bonds and treasuries of the same maturity is also known as the credit spread, the amount that investors have to be compensated relative to holding something more than the risk-free rate. So for example, say that the 10-year U.S. Treasury is right around 2% right now, and the 10-year corporate bond might be trading with a yield of 2.4%, and the spread between those two is about 40 basis points. That 40 basis points compensation relative to U.S. sovereign rates is what you get paid for taking on that corporate risk. And companies with higher credit ratings, you're going to get paid less for taking on that corporate risk because there's less of it. If it's not a very risky bond, you're just not going to demand as much payment because you're like, oh, it's chill. Like, I'm pretty sure Apple's going to pay me back. You might not think that like your friend's e-commerce startup that's selling hoodies on Amazon would pay you back. You would want to be paid more for holding the bonds of your friend's random Amazon e-commerce company versus Apple's bonds. This is like a broad thing, right? In general, the tighter that the spread is across all these bonds everywhere, the better that the bond market is feeling usually. So if all of a sudden spreads blow out, they begin to widen, that means investors are like, you better pay me freaking more, dude. I'm freaking, I'm freaking out right now. That means people are seeing a lot of risk in the markets, which isn't good. They say, well, why on earth would I buy a corporate bond if I think all corporations are about to fail right now, right? And so lenders begin to demand higher rates because of general worries and shaky confidence around the future. And of course, if rates are higher, prices are down, and that creates a lot of problems in credit markets. Things have not been going very well right now for corporate bonds. So you can kind of see this in ETFs. And this is really important because spreads actually have kind of moved a little bit, but this can be boiled down in a few different ways. It's really a function of moving and interest rates. So high yield companies. We can look at ETFs as a proxy for credit performance. There's an ETF uh, from Bloomberg Barclays called Junk, and then there's one from iShares called HYG, and they give a general idea of how high yield debt is trading. So these ETFs have higher credit exposure, meaning more exposure to credit conditions, ver lower rate exposure, meaning less duration, versus investment grade debt. So effective duration for HYG, for example, is 4.1 years, meaning that for every 1% change in interest rates, the bond price only changes by 4.1% which isn't a lot usually. And that means that the, a lot of the bond movement is focused on credit risk. So high yield companies are going to price more relative to credit risk, relative to how people are feeling about their companies failing versus how interest rates broadly move. To kind of reiterate, because I know this can be a little bit confusing, they are going to be impacted more by credit risk versus interest rate risk because they have shorter duration. So when rates move around, like we've been seeing, like with the two year, with the 10 year, these junk bonds are not going to move as much because they're not impacted as much. They're more impacted by credit conditions. What's 
what's going on in general with high yield bonds is they don't do really great in times of contraction. Uh, high yield bonds don't really like when credit conditions become easier because that usually means that people are going to buy them less. Uh, there's more financing risk for them. There's just more concerns in general. And we can look at the difference. This was a really good analysis by Jack Farley. There's different ETFs that track different things. So HYG, HYGH. So HYG has credit risk and interest rate risk and HYGH only has the credit risk. So that exposure to corporate vulnerability. HYG is down about 5% and HYGH is down about 2.64%. HYGH is credit risk and then HYGH minus HYG is going to be the interest rate risk and that's about 2.4%. So there's more movement in the bonds right now from duration, even the high yield bonds from duration slash interest rate risk, not really the credit stress. But there's a lot of movement in general to kind of reiterate that the yield on junk bonds is going up, meaning that people are feeling nervous, which makes sense because it's kind of a nerve wracking time. You got Bullard screaming every other day about inflation. Corporate credit risk in general is beginning to tick back up and we're seeing some flashes of panic in the credit market because of that. And we can kind of look at investment grade bonds to get a bigger, bigger idea of this. We can look at the LQD ETF for IG credit and it's really not been doing okay. This is because LQD has an effective duration of 9.219 years. So for every 1% move in interest rates, LQD moves about 9.3%, which is a lot. It's a lot to be moving around, especially because interest rates have been moving around two year, 10 year, etc. So because it's higher duration, it has higher sensitivity to these movements in interest rates and, and just higher sensitivity to volatility in general. And that's why investment grade has been so beat up. And we can do a similar analysis with LQD and LQDH. A lot of the fall that LQD has experienced over the last few months is from interest rate risk, not credit risk. And you can see that in the difference between these two ETFs. Brandywine put together a really great sensitivity analysis of the IG index of the 10-year yield and IG options adjusted spread that shows some different scenarios relative to spread widening. They said in the piece that a lot of this movement is more defined by duration moves. Right now, investors want additional compensation because the two-year has been on the move and they're also pricing in the Fed moving on interest rates and LQD has, once again, this significant amount of duration, so they're going to be sensitive to any movement in interest rates at all. So in, to like summarize, because like, what the heck, Kylo, right? The most important part of all this is that bonds are falling because of interest rate risk. They're falling because everybody's like, the Fed might do it this time. And you can see it in the graph below that investment grade has really taken a beating relative to high yield. If we were seeing a credit quality crisis, high yield bonds would be the one probably taking a beating at first, right? What's going on right now? So <laughs> geopolitical tension, inflation of seven and a half percent, a stock market that can't decide what's going on, investors that can't decide what's going on. People are trying to find yield, but it's hard because, you know, is the economy going to be okay? Who really knows? Treasury yields have skyrocketed because of these worries and that puts pressure on bonds. People are nervous right now, right? People people are fleeing corporate bonds because they're worried. It's really tough to think about credit hedging because there's low absolute yields and there's these increasing levels of corporate risk. These corporate credit risk is increasing even though things are okay. You know, the Fed doing their thing does put pressure on a lot of different stuff. We started to see people buy production and credit markets because they're worried that the Fed could make a policy mistake where they would tighten us right into recession, which would impact economic growth negatively in favor for getting policy right. We're starting to see some of the free-flowing money that became a staple of the past few years begin to trickle away. Central banks are tightening and investors and issuers are very aware of that and the impact that it could have on credit conditions. Companies are beginning to pull deals because they're paying more interest than they thought they would be. Companies are guiding lower. It's getting more expensive to get financing. 
growing and economic growth is just a big question mark. And to complicate things more, Joseph Wang, Fed guy, has highlighted that the Fed has been buying a lot of bonds and that messes with the signal to noise ratio. The other question is who is going to buy the bonds if the Fed is not buying the bonds? We face a lot of uncertainty, a lot of economic growth concerns, higher inflation, and if those two things kind of go bad at the same time, we could get stagflation. And there's a lot more to go. Like we're kind of just at the beginning of this journey. What's kind of funny about all of this is that the Fed's goal is to slow down credit creation because that's how inflation slows, right? Like if you slow companies down, they're going to pay people less and then people are going to spend less and then everything's good, right? That's kind of the model. But you can't point to credit spreads and be like, oh, you know, game over now. So it's just a little bit confusing some would say. Some final thoughts, credit conditions are actually decent. The Fed needs to do their monetary policy and start to tighten, and they will, but spreads have been pretty tight and the credit market has been okay in general. A lot of this is maybe signal-to-noise problems, but we might see some widening, but it isn't right now because the bond market is exploding. It's because uncertainty. And things might hurt for a while, mostly because of the economy slowing down, geopolitical risk, compounding all of that. Zoltan is suggesting that the Fed literally crashed the entire market, which is like bad right? Like we probably don't want to see the Fed do that. But his whole thing is that uh, Bitcoin rich people and baby boomers are staying at home. The way to get them back to work would be to make them poor. That's a lot to process. It's a delicate balance. I don't think we should do that. All right, everybody. So that was the bond market, the signal, the light at the end of the tunnel, the bond market. Um, I hope you're doing well out there. Bye, everybody.